Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome back to part three of The Good Shepherd. <laughs> um, going through this very slowly, but there, it is so packed. Psalm 23 is so packed with so many things. And so today we've been we've been talking about Psalm 23. The last two times we covered verses one, two, and three. The first part of three, and today we're going to cover the last phrase in it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Uh, we'll go ahead and read Psalm 23 for the record here. It's it's it's, it's worth reading and over and over and over again. Uh, on, actually, on a daily basis, it has so much to meditate on and so much for us in our walk with God and our calling and this, this spiritual walk that we, we have with him. So let's read that. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Look at all the action words when we go through this. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let those words sink in. We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Psalm 23 is a metaphor, isn't it? It's written by David, inspired by God, to encourage inspire and comfort God's people on this journey that we've been privileged to have, the calling that God has given to us, to the kingdom of God and to the family of God, eternal life. Eternal life is our goal. God's goal for all of us. So today we're going to go through, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, what does that mean? What is David talking about? What does it mean for us today? It meant a lot to David. It means a lot for us. God has inspired it through the through the ages, through in, in his word, for our benefit. And we can learn a lot from it. So today hopefully we can we can discover some things from that, go over it and learn things and rehash things that we've known, but learn maybe some a new view of it. So the last time we I just for the record, remember we talked about Christ is our good shepherd. Notice the word good. <laughs> Our works are, are filthy rags, but uh, good works in us come through the Holy Spirit. They're of value. They're from Christ, from God. Christ is our good shepherd, and we are his sheep. In John 10.10, 10, where that is stated, it says, I've come so that they may have life, life, and may have it more abundantly. Now, physically, we have... In God, we, we have an abundant life. We don't have a lot of riches and such, but we have everything we need. Abundant life. This is also referring to, moreover, eternal life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And, of course, we are his sheep. It tells us in Psalm 100, verse 3. <clears throat> we, can, we can read that. 
uh, verse 3, it just mentions that we are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. Now look, look, and I mentioned all the action words in Psalm 23. It describes a journey. Now, I used to think of it as I had this mental picture of sheep laying in a field in a pasture, and that's, they, that's where they were. They, they never went anywhere. Well, as you read through this, you see that that's not true. They're on a journey, not in one pasture, but moving from one location to another. And that's, the, that, that's what the shepherds did. They moved them through the fields, through the air, around in a circuit, and came back home in the autumn. Um, sheep are always on the move, always. And, and sheep are, it, it is healthy for them to be on the move. And we move through our growth in, in God in the conversion process, growing grace and knowledge. We move from one spot, hopefully, <laughs> to another, to another, to another. That's the way sheep prosper and are healthy, and that's the shepherd will lead them in that. Sheep, they're always on the move. The paths are in green pastures, along well-worn paths, through canyon plateaus and over hills and down in the valleys. Then back again, back in autumn, they come back home. And this was the same with David. Even when the sheep lie down in green pastures, that's just a temporary rest for the weary, if you will. <laughs> and they get up and they go again. So, and he finds shade for them and they digest their food and they're able to sit and re relax. And then they get up and they move on. From that point on in the Psalms, the sheep are on a move, on the move, from lying down there on the move. They're the shepherd leads them behind, beside still waters and through valleys, and we'll see next time, the valley of the shadow of death. All the days of their lives, he leads them in the paths of righteousness. Now, notice that, in the paths, not to the path. In the path of righteousness, with goodness and mercy constantly following them. Now, sheep are, are creatures of habit, just like we are, just like people. If we don't keep moving, if we are left to ourselves and don't have a shepherd who knows the good things for us and keeps us on the move, we would, in one place, eat all the grass, eat it down to the roots, and sometimes even dig up the roots and just destroy the pasture. And then it would be a muddy, barren uh, field that would, would have disease and parasites growing, uh, which would make the sheep sickly. Uh, they wouldn't be able to find shade or water on their own. Their eyesight is very poor, as I mentioned last time, and they don't have a good sense of direction. So left to themselves, they'd get lost. They're not like a horse. You turn a horse loose, it goes back to the barn. <laughs> but they get lost. Sheep get lost. They're not, they're not easy, they can't find the way. <clears throat> they can't make it on their own. They really can't. They need to be led, and they need a shepherd that knows where the good things are for them, for their benefit. No other class of livestock requires the same amount of personal care and handling and direction. Okay, to, to, to uh, lead the shepherd uh, has to requ it requires the sheep to follow. The sheep have to want to follow, which they do because they trust the shepherd. But Christ is our example, isn't he? 
even Christ said, as of the Lamb of God, as our example, he said in John 5.30, I have no power to do anything of myself, but as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. So he relied on the Father as well. John 5.19, he says, Therefore Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man has no power to do anything of himself. Now that's an, that's an amazing statement. But only what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, these things the Son does also in the same manner. And Paul said that too. He said in Philippians 4.13, we know that scripture very well. I can do all things through Christ, who is our shepherd, who empowers me. So the sheep need that. They need that example to follow. And they know that when they get up, they have energy because they trust in the shepherd, that he's going to take them somewhere that's going to benefit them. So David learned this as well. Learned to follow the shepherd's example. And he wrote, uh, Peter wrote uh, as well in 2 Peter 21, 2, 3, 4, 5. We, we, we know that scripture. We know that section. But let's just lift out of here 21. It says, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. And we're going to suffer in life. That's the purpose, to learn obedience, to grow. But he says, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And that's what the sheep do. And he says, who committed no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And then 53, so Isaiah 53, is like a, he likens him to a sheep that's being going to be slaughtered or be sacrificed. Who then, when he reviled, did not revile in turn. When, when he was reviled, he did not revile in turn. When suffering, he threatened not, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, to the Father, who bore our sins, Christ, in his own body, on the tree, that's the purpose, so that we, being dead to sin, may live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Matthew 16, 24, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, here's what we have to do. We have to deny ourselves and let him take up his cross and follow me. It's required in our life. If we're going to be successful, if God is going to grow his family, we have to be willing to deny ourselves, willing to follow and earnestly, sincerely desire to do that. The good shepherd is there to help us. And, and then when we need help, we ask him. In Hebrews 13, 5, he says, in no way will I ever leave you. No, I will never forsake you in any way. What a promise. In Deuteronomy 31, he says it again, verse 8. And the Lord is he who goes before you as a shepherd. He will be with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. And a good shepherd does that. 
his name and his reputation is on the line. Do not fear or be dismayed. And knowing that, you're certainly not going to be fearful or dismayed in any way because you know Christ the shepherd is there, our good shepherd. So again, sheep lack this, this typical animal sense of direction, <clears throat> and so do people. We get lost, don't we? David did. And we heard last night, of course, we won't go through them. David had a couple bloopers in his life, later on in his life. <clears throat> David had, had a, a couple places where he got off the, the path of righteousness, didn't he? <laughs> got lost. Um, lost his way. He wandered off the right path. Got on the rough, rocky, rough, dangerous path. That, you know, some of those paths in, in the mountains, in the valleys, they, and in the, on the hillside, they had drop-offs on them. And that's a danger. So during times of trouble, whether we cause it or it's outside, whatever it is, when there's times of trouble, when the, the sheep sometimes run into that, Christ is there. Psalm 138, 7 and 8 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. And what, what did Psalm 51, David, that whole psalm of repentance? You shall stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand shall save me. And that's what the shepherd would do with this shepherd crook and the, and the rod, the staff. He would save the sheep. The Lord will perfect his work in me. That's the purpose. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Again, do not forsake the work of your hands, which we are. We're his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 talks about that. Psalm 34 is full of crying out and God delivering. We'll just read down through here. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. So looking at all the different troubles and trials we go through, the sorrows and the suffering, the brokenhearted, and saves those who are of a contrite spirit. And that certainly puts us in a meek, humble, contrite way when we're, we have our hearts broken. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps his bones and not one is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them who take refuge in him shall be condemned. Very encouraging. Psalm 41.10 tells us again, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. You know, the sheep know the shepherds there. They don't fear. They're very comforted by that knowledge. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Promises. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Again, David said, create in me a clean heart and not take your Holy Spirit from me. Very important. Walking on the, we'll get there, but walking on the path, in the path of righteousness. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So during these trials and troubles that we have in life, we can benefit from these words of Psalm 23 very much. It gives us comfort. 
as we try to stay on the path of righteousness and follow the shepherd. It's very difficult because our nature is to wander, <laughs> to get off track. But the primary job of the shepherd in pasturing his sheep and caring for them is to lead them, lead them in the right way to food and water, to fend off predators, to give them rest and shade, as we, we've covered, to keep them free of parasites, burrs, cuts, bruises. At the end of the day, he brings them, he looks at them, he, he takes care of them each individually and takes care of them at the end of the day. To make sure that they were comforted and healthy at peace by providing protection and reassuring them, all will be all right. He does that to us as well, if we let him. The shepherd is and was responsible for making the physical and emotional health and welfare and safety of the sheep available, providing that for them on a regular basis, on a daily basis just as Christ does for us. Again, David, through the inspiration of God, tells us that our life's journey, we must follow Christ, our shepherd. We enter into a covenant, and Passover is coming up to re-up re or remind us of that covenant that we enter into, that he is the Lamb of God. He is our sacrifice. His example, his life and death, and his blood, Helps us to make it to the end of the path, doesn't it? That path of righteousness. It's a covenant with the shepherd to enter into eternal life in his kingdom and in his family forever. And that shepherd, our shepherd, Jesus Christ, leads us in the path of righteousness. And there's an end result. There's a goal at the end of that. And he'll make sure that we make it. He leads us by giving us his Holy Spirit. Learning, allowing us to learn to love God and our neighbor with agape love. We couldn't do it without that. As we lie down to rest today, we remember the Sabbath. We keep it holy. He's in it. He's there with us. We remember the holy days that are coming up through year, yearly. Every the cycle is yearly. The Passover comes up. We meditate. Daily, we pray, we read his word, we, we are fed. As we rise up to work, we do everything in word and deed to honor God. And we understand the mysteries of God in doing that, don't we? We grow in that. In Colossians 3.17, it says, and in everything that we do, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. As we search for our daily bread or the grass that he provides, you know, we go to work or whatever. We, 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 we need to do something. We can't just sit there. We get up and we do something. The green grass, he, he promises to give us um, that, that grass. He says in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. See, we're, we're hungering and thirst after physical, but also ultimately the spiritual. And he provides that. And they shall be filled. Cool, still water. We need a thirst. We, we, we need to drink cool water. We need to keep that physically. But we also need that spiritually. We need that Holy Spirit. 
John 14, 413 rather, says, Jesus answered and said to her, this is the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them shall never thirst. Rather, the water that I will give him shall become a fountain of water within him, springing up into everlasting life. That's the purpose. He is our salvation if we stay on the path of righteousness. Remember, he is the only way. Acts 4.12 says there is no salvation in any other for neither is there another name, <clears throat> there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved. Again, he told the woman at the well, and this is, we're going to go, we're going to break these three sections down because it, it, it epitomizes and uh, tells us what the good shepherd does for us and is. <clears throat> John 14, 6, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm sorry, that's not the woman at the well. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, the way, we're going to discuss that. The truth, we're going to discuss that. And the life. So as we follow in, in the path of righteousness toward the end, we follow the shepherd who is and he, he is these things. He provides these things. He personifies them. So the word path is one, is, uh, means the course of conduct for a person. The word righteousness, of course, in the original language means to adhere to a moral standard like honesty, justice, and uprightness. <clears throat> Where do we get that? We get it through the word. We find these things in Christ. He, he, that's what he is. That's what, it, what he says. And he provides that for us. Christ tells us how to follow him in the path of righteousness, doesn't he? In order to reach the kingdom, which is our goal again. We've got to stay away from those rocky cliffs, those, those uh, drop-offs in those rough areas, and follow in the path of righteousness. Christ tells us in Matthew 7, he's talking to the the Pharisees, and uh, he says that there are two ways, there are two paths. Sometimes the sheep, you know, they get off a little bit, but they're a parallel path. They're walking along, but it's not the path of righteousness, but they're beside them. Eventually, if they continue, they're going to be off the mark, and down the road, they'll be way over here. They'll be lost, once again, wandering off, thinking that they're with Christ, thinking that they're on the right path. He says, in verse 13, Matthew 7, enter into through the narrow gate, enter in through the narrow gate. Remember the door we talked about last time. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter into it or enter through it. But narrow and straight, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. So this path of righteousness is narrow and straight, and there are a few who find it. We could talk about that, and it seems like there's even fewer as we go along that stick with it, that stay on that path. In 15, he says, but we, and then he gives us some warnings that show us the broad and the, and, and the destructive way. 
says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like part of the flock. But within, they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. They do not gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles, do they? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a corrupt tree produces evil fruit. A good tree cannot produce evil fruit, nor can a corrupt tree produce good fruit. Every tree that is not producing good fruit is cut down and is cast into the fire. Therefore, you shall surely know them by their fruits. That's what we look for. So some think that they're okay while they're really on a broad path. And he says to those people, and they may be self-deceived. They may be deceived. Or they may be knowing what they're doing and just destructive. <clears throat> Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who is doing the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy through your name? In other words, giving sermons and messages and in your name. <clears throat> and did we not cast out demons through your name? It did not, didn't we perform many works of power through your name? <clears throat> and then I will confess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. And there are many ways that that can be done. You know, you can just come out and say the law is done away. That would be a blatant. But there are other ways to do that as well. Anything that is not the truth is lawlessness, right? It's off the mark. And uh, there are many, many that do that and few that follow the path of righteousness. He says then in 24, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and practices them, very important. You have to hear it and then process it and do it. James tells us that. I will compare him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And then he goes through that. The narrow way. <clears throat> narrow way is the path of righteousness. Colossians 3, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, if you have been raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand. Set your affections on the things that are above and not on the things on the earth. <clears throat> not in that broad and wide path. For you have died. Now, how did we die? How have we died? We've died through baptism. I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. Indeed, it is no longer I, but Christ lives in me. For the life that I am now living in the flesh, I live by faith. That very faith of the Son of God, not our faith, but this faith of Christ, the shepherd, who loved me and gave him his life for me. So we've died, and your life has been hidden together in Christ, in God. <clears throat> when Christ, who is our life, is manifested to you, then you shall be manifested with him in glory. That's at the end of the path. Very important. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness is through the works of law, then Christ died in vain. Okay, that's another subject I just mentioned. You might want to go and listen to the two righteousnesses that are on the line on CBCG website. Very, very important to listen to right now before Passover. But there are two ways. There's a way 
that is uh, keeping the letter of the law. And you can't, that won't get you to the end of the path. But the other righteousness is through Christ. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Just, that's all I'm going to say. It's a big, big subject, so I won't go into it anymore. But the broad way, therefore, he says in five, therefore put to death in your members, which are on earth, sexual immorality, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desires, covenant, covetedness, which is idolatry. The narrow way, Colossians 3.10, further on, he talks about putting on a new man who is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, and that's Jesus Christ. Put on then as the elect of God, our calling. Isn't that an amazing thing? Think about that. The elect of God. Holy. How are we holy? Through the Holy Spirit. Beloved. Deep inner affections. Kindness. Humility. Meekness and long-suffering. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also forgive them. And above all things, put on love. This is how we walk on that path, which is the bond of perfection at the end. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called into one body and be thankful. Praise God. Thank him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. He's going to show us those paths, isn't he? He's going to lead us down it. The shepherd does that. Psalm 1611 tells us that. It says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. The sheep are happy when they're around the shepherd because they know he's a good shepherd. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And Psalm 119, 104 says, Through your precepts, in other words, the law, the word, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I hate that broad way. I want on the narrow way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He will teach us his will. He's going to teach us what he, his will is. Christ knew the will of the Father, and he's telling us what the will of the Father is. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground, the level ground of, of uprightness. O Lord, for your name's sake. Quicken me. Grant me your Holy Spirit. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And he certainly does that. Psalm 25 says, show me your ways. O Lord, teach me. Look at the desire and the passion here. To want to know the way. To want to walk in that path. David, David knew. In the latter part of his life, he wrote this, this song. He'd gone through some troubles. And he's calling back. To God, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. He's very teachable, very submissive, very yielding. 
not calcitrant, stubborn, rebellious. That's the Broadway. <laughs> Yielding and submissive, Christ was tender and lowly. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you do I wait all the day long. And the sheep wait. They have, they're very patient. And they know that the good shepherd's going to provide for them. God is showing us that we need to have a sincere desire to be taught the paths of righteousness, not something that we naturally learn. We have to follow the shepherd. We have to listen, open up, be teachable, submissive. Let him lead us. Let him guide us. Show us. Eventually we get it through the Holy Spirit. Be teachable, obedient, yielding, submissive, having a spirit and an attitude of submission in order to learn and follow the path of righteousness. The sheep, the Palestinian sheep paths were rough, up and down, treacherous in spots and very dangerous. Same way with us. Life today is that way, can be that way. And a lot of the trials and troubles are for our benefit. When you get in trouble, God is there. He's going to, he's going to help you. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He's not going to let you stumble. He's going to keep you on that path. He who keeps you will not slumber. He's on the job 24-7. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your life. The Lord shall guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Forevermore. He's our helper and he leads us in the path of righteousness. Psalm 31.1 In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me. Part of the, the uh, theme of Passover and Unleavened Bread. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Listen to me. And he's ready to listen. Deliver me quickly. Be my strong rock, a fortress of defense, and save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me up out of the net that they have hidden for me. You are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who take heed to lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. Trust in that narrow way. Trust the shepherd. Proverbs 3, 5. Scripture that we know very well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. You're going to fall in the, <laughs> you're going to have a problem if you do that. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Don't try to control it yourself. Acknowledge him. Put it in his hands. Trust him. He'll direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. 
depart from the ways or the paths of this world that lead to death. You know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. You know, that road, that broad way, the way, Christ is the way. He's the road. He's the path. He's the journey. He's the direction. He's the manner, the habit, the way, the course of life. He's the moral character. All those are, I looked up under the way. <laughs> That's a definition. So why does the world walk in the path of righteousness? Why don't they walk in the path of righteousness? Well, they aren't called. God hasn't chosen them to give the Holy Spirit. But there's another piece of this that God tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.10. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, But God has revealed, to, revealed them to us by his Spirit. We know those things by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. For whom among men understand the things of man, except by the spirit of man, which is in him. In the same way also, the things of God, no one understands except by the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is of God, so that we might know the things graciously given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, teach us all things, in order to communicate spiritual things by spiritual means. That's how we understand. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are not, they are spiritually discerned. Isn't that a blessing? That we know where the path of righteousness is. Well, why don't we walk it? <laughs> why are we so stubborn? Why are we so rebellious? Why are we so, I don't know. I guess that's that's the part we have to learn. To to give up that, that wanting to do it our own way and trust in God. Trust in the shepherd. You know, there are other bad shepherds out there in the broad way, aren't there? There always have been. We'd go through Ezekiel 34. We're not going to do that here. But leaders can lead in the wrong path, into the broad and wide way, into the dark path, out of the light. We heard last night. They're not in the light, and you stumble and fall. Jeroboam was probably one of the best examples of that, and we still have him around today, the Jeroboam way. The kings of Israel, all of them. 34, Ezekiel 34, the bad shepherds of Israel. And today, of course, we have the leadership. We could go on and on and on about that and all the different leadership styles that we have, which are bad, <laughs> seemingly. If you have a good leader, they don't show up very well. They don't uh, want to get in the middle of it. So the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd is the desire to care or to maintain the flock in good health and a commitment, of course, the Holy Spirit there and that calling. And they'll learn someday we will, the kings the kings and priests that are in uh, training today will be there to help lead the way. The shepherd's reputation and good name depends on how he cares for the flock in his namesake. He's going to make sure the sheep are able to walk in the path, complete the journey, and not. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Uh, what is it? That's Second Peter three nine. 
Philippians 1 6 he says he's going to be he's being confident you can be confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ he's going to do that so he's the way he's also the truth he is in the beginning John 1 1 was the word the word was with God the word was God he was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him not even one thing that was created came into being without him in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness but the darkness does not comprehend it John 17 says John 17 I have given them your words and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world they're not they're not on that broad path they're on the narrow path I do not pray that you would take them out of the world but that you would keep them from the evil one protect them give them the Holy Spirit they are not of the world just as I am not of the world sanctify them in your truth your word is truth and Christ is the word he's the truth he's the life we'll talk about in a minute Psalm 119 is full of the truth full of the law 160 says your word is true from the beginning and every one your righteous ordinances endure forever John 18 verse 7 everyone who is of the truth hears my voice we talked about that last time in John 10 <clears throat> the doorkeeper opens verse 3 and the sheep hear his voice the sheep know the shepherd they hear his voice and he knows them he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out you know at night they would all mix the herds together or the flock together in the morning the shepherd would call and his sheep would come out all the sheep the other sheep would stay and then the next shepherd he would call and his sheep would go out they know the shepherd's voice Psalm 119 119 142 your word is very pure therefore your servant loves it 142 your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is the truth Christ is the truth he is the law he is he is that is his character trouble and anguish have taught taken hold of me yet your commandments are my delight why because they're true there you can trust them they're sound they don't move you know they're set gravity doesn't change <laughs> the righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting give me understanding and I shall live 145 I cried with my whole heart look at the desire and the zeal answer me O God I will keep your statutes it's 174 I've longed for your salvation O Lord and your law is my delight 176 I have gone astray like sheep lost sheep seek your servant why because I don't forget your commandments I'm on that path of righteousness and he's the life the way the truth and the life eternal life that's what it's the end of end of the path of righteousness for his name's sake God wants a family John 11:25. Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me belief is important 
faith is important. Through though he die, shall live again. How encouraging. Wow, God, he's going to make sure, even if we die on the path, we're going to make it to the end if we stay, do the things we're supposed to do and stay close to him. Repent of the things we need to and follow. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall not die forever. And then he says something. I, I've always marveled at this. He says, do you believe this? <laughs> Don't, do you get it? I'm standing before you. I am life. And then, he, and then he resurrected Lazarus, proved it. John 4, 20, 24, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Everyone who walks on that true path of righteousness will have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in them and have life from Christ in them. He won't fail you. John 15, 26 says, but the comforter has come, which I will send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father. The one, that one shall bear witness of me. In Romans 8, we go through all of Romans 8. We don't have time, but let's start in verse 8. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In that broad way, they cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If the Spirit of God is indeed dwelling within you through baptism and then laying on of hands, repentance, seeking him, changing, having a, sub, a, a submissive, humble, teachable attitude, a contrite spirit, <clears throat> it's dwelling in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. But if Christ be within you, the body is indeed dead because of sin. However, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body because of his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't live that broad way. We don't follow that wide way. We walk the narrow path. Because if you are living according to the flesh, you shall die. But if you live by the Spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body, and you shall live. For as many as are led down that path of righteousness by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so make it for his name's sake into the kingdom of God, into the family of God forever. Now you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. <clears throat> the spirit itself witnesses conjointly with our spirit, <clears throat> testifying that we are the children of God. And God calls things that are what they will be. We are the children of God. We're begotten. But we will be. He's going to make sure that we make it. Now, if we are children, we are also heirs, truly heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer together with him so that we may also be glorified together with him. I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared. Think about that. That's the goal, the glory that shall be revealed in us. 
We know how we receive the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. We'll just go through. You have to seek. You begin seeking. God calls and draws you, John 6.44. You have this desire. You know you need to change and repent. You repent. You come to God. He, you're baptized. And your hands are laid on. And you receive the Holy Spirit. And then the journey begins in earnest, doesn't it? <laughs> Snow Rose Garden. And there's a difference between being led by the flesh, the letter of the law, and the spirit of the inward part. Having God's Holy Spirit makes it possible to be led in the paths of righteousness and obtain eternal life at Christ's return. He's going to give it to us. It's a gift, Romans 5:17. You can't earn it. Just like salvation, Romans 6:23. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of life is eternal life. It's eternal life. It's a gift. Righteousness is a gift as well. Romans 5:17 says, "For if by the offense of one man death reigned by one, how much more shall those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Not on ourselves, not by ourselves, not by our power, through Jesus Christ. We receive that gift. It's imputed to us. <laughs> when, we, when we ask for forgiveness, we repent of, of sin. We ask for forgiveness. And God justifies us through the blood of Christ. We're seen as white as wool. We're seen as Jesus Christ in the eyes of God. And our mediator and advocate and our high priest goes before the Father and the Holy of Holies and advocates our case. And he is that high priest for us. And the blood of Christ is shed in our behalf. And we're seen as righteous. We're given that gift upon repentance again, baptism, laying on of hands, and receiving the Holy Spirit. You can't earn it. Again, think. go back and check read and and listen to the two righteousness for his name's sake he does it all for his name's sake to bring honor and glory to his name in ancient israel one man's one na one's name was inseparably linked to his reputation and standing same way with the shepherd if he had barren pastures and he didn't care for the sheep and they were sick and starving and thirsty and they died he had a bad name but the good shepherd doesn't. God leads us in the paths of righteousness because he is a righteous shepherd. For you are, it says in Psalm 31, 3, you are my rock and fortress, David acknowledged. And for your name's sake, you lead me and you guide me. For you are my rock and fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Now, who's going to be there? It's difficult. You know, we have to have the desire to do it, but we have to do something too, don't we? We can't do it on our own. Works are required. Law is required. But the gift of righteousness is free. It's a gift. But we have to do something. Psalm 15 tells us who's going to be there. Lord, who shall dwell in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell upon your holy hill? He who walks uprightly. And the word is righteousness and works righteousness, works righteousness, good works, the righteousness, the Holy Spirit in us, requiring uh, causing us to do the works of God, have the mind of God, 
come to the measure of the fullness of the stature of God. <clears throat> and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, and takes up not nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. He sighs and cries for the, the you know the abominations that are done. A vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Hebrews 13:8. God does not change. There's no variable shadow of turning, James 1.17. doesn't change. He goes straight. He's the light. He who puts has not put his money to usury, nor has taken a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. And when, you know, when you have that, and you've been called to a new creation, a new creature, and you're moving down the path of righteousness, God has given you a new heart. If Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my ordinances and do them. You know, this is called circumcision of the heart. It was... A new concept to the to the world at Jesus' time and the and the Pharisees and the religious establishment. Circumcision of the heart. Romans two twenty nine. Rather he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart and in the spirit, and not in the letter, the two righteousness, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Christ is the only way. He's the end of the road. He's the path of righteousness that we walk in, and he takes us to eternal life. Again, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. We've got to endure, and we've got to persevere. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, therefore, the conclusion of the matter here, since we are surrounded by such a great throne of witnesses, and we do, even in our life today, we've known people, saints who have lived and died and have been a good example to us to keep going. And we have Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. <clears throat> Let us lay aside every weight, that broad way. Get laid aside all works of the flesh. Run and, and the sin that so easily entraps us and let us run the race. You know, it's down the path we're trotting. It's kind of a marathon, but it's it's likened to a race because there's a reward at the end. Run the race set before us with endurance. Have your minds, have our minds fixed on the shepherd, on Jesus Christ, the beginner and the finisher of our faith. <clears throat> who for the joy that laid ahead of him, as our example, endured the cross. Although he despised the shame and has now, he's there, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. This is a mystery that the world doesn't understand what we're talking about here. They don't understand walking in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What's at the end of it? They don't understand that. The family of God, the kingdom of God. 
I show you a mystery. We shall not all fall asleep, but we shall be changed. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This corruptible, corruptible <clears throat> must put on incorruptibility, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now when this corruptible shall have put on incorruptibility, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death <clears throat> is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. So then, my beloved brethren, here's what we have to do. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord in good works, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hebrews 13.20 tells us, And may the God of peace, my peace I leave with you, not as the world leaves, the God of peace, who raised up the Lord Jesus from among the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, perfect you in every good work in order that you may do his will, not your will, accomplish in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory into the ages of eternity. Amen. And it says, Amos 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? We follow the good shepherd. He leads us to the same goal. So let's follow him in the path of righteousness that he has called us to and be with him in the kingdom of God. If we do, 1 Peter 5, 4 tells us something. And this is what a man with, and this is what our goal is. And this is what is so amazing about the 23rd Psalm. And when the chief shepherd is manifested, you shall receive an unfading eternal crown of glory. So let's hang in there.